0: Welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast.
1: Brundy, how you doing? Oh, doing not too bad yourself. Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Good I, stuff. Uh,
0: definitely, definitely better than uh, this morning. the uh, The news about uh, Vasilevsky going undergoing a uh, surgery for his a herniated disc in his back. He'll be out for eight to ten weeks, which uh, yes, perfectly that, lines up with. My trip to
1: Tampa, which sucks, but did did that injury happen recently? Because that kind of came out of nowhere. Um. So
0: he did say that uh, he had quite a few injuries dating back to around game thirty of last year, and oh, okay. he did say he didn't say what they were, but he did say uh, some of them were localized in his back. So I'm wondering if. He was trying to avoid surgery and then maybe leading up to the season, he kind of tweaked it again and finally went, fuck it. I, this just has to be done or something like that.
1: Yeah. Cause it's not I, very often you see guys elect to get surgery, you know, just as the season's starting to come up. So I feel like it must've been something that he thought, you know, was, was going to get better over time and uh, he could kind of just heal on his own, but yeah, he must've tweaked it. And then, yeah, he said he was going to be of, doing
0: a good amount of rehabbing in the off season and said that he was hoping to start the season better than he was last year at the start of this year. So clearly this wasn't uh planned by him at all. You know, it just one of his just injury things, you know, stuff comes well, up. It's,
1: it's also like the first time in whatever, four seasons where he actually had a shortened off season. To, really just rehab and get better like he never really had that opportunity as much yeah uh, when they were going on their cup runs every year so yeah so he must must have just tweaked it in practice or something but hopefully uh, he can come back you know s- as soon as possible but also come back when he's going to be in in top form yeah he uh, you you just gotta
0: hope that he comes back you know the same that he was Obviously, it always sucks when somebody gets absolutely derailed railed by injuries. Um, yeah. I think it's rather underrated how important that for some of these guys that rehabbing, uh, or rather, you know, being healthy and not having to rehab, how much that can help them in those off-seasons. Because yeah. I know Stamkos, like, uh, I believe it was the off-season of, I want to say, 21. He said uh, that this is the first offseason in, like, that was the first year in, like, eight years where he just got to train. He wasn't rehabbing any injuries. He was good to go, and he was just practicing. And he went out there and put up 42 goals and 106 points that year. So yeah, I, yeah, I can, think can, uh, underratedly not having to rehab injuries. You know, you get to actually not just make sure you don't decline, but you get to improve
1: if you're not doing that. Exactly, right? Yeah. So what do they do now for their goaltending situation? I've seen rumors um, that they're going to maybe take a chance on Martin Jones, who it's kind of looking like he'll be uh, placed on waivers by Toronto sometime soon. So there's a lot of rumors that, that Martin Jones might be a guy that Tampa Bay looks to uh, I, I would not hate that.
0: It. I would not hate that at all. Um, earlier today, the same day that this happened, Spencer Martin went on waivers, and yeah, he cool, he awesome was our, awesome on waivers. He was Vasilevsky's backup for a couple years here. Um, so it might be interesting to see him come back. But I definitely feel better with Martin Jones in net compared to Spencer Martin, probably.
1: Yeah, um, I would I would think so, just in terms of, like, having that experience. And, um, I mean, both goalies did struggle last year, but Spencer Martin's never really yeah. been able to put together, you know, He's never been a starter, of, like Jones has. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another name that I've seen people kind of throw around is Dan Vladar in Calgary. Um, yeah you know, making that work might be a little bit tough because, I mean, he's he's got two years left and he's making 2.2. 2. So, you know, I think Tampa would have to figure out how, if they can make that um, money work. But again, it's also tough, you know, bringing in a goalie like this now, um, you know, on a contract that extends more than just this year when they're, they're trying to figure out money to sign Stamkos. And, um, yeah. I mean, Cal- and we know Calgary's trying to trade Vladar. Like they've already said that, you know, they want Dustin Wolf to start on the with the Flames this season as he should be, like he should make the team. Absolutely. You, can't, you can't have him not at least be getting 30 starts this year. He's got to well, play. But they have said if they can't get a Vladar trade done, Dustin Wolf's going to have to start the season in the minors, so... I, I don't, don't know if I can see a situation out.
0: where Tampa can take the Vladar
1: contract. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but... It's also, I mean, that's kind of the only goalie out there right now. They, they could take a swing on who you know can be a uh, not like a legit starter, but a guy that can can put up a lot of wins for you until Vasilevsky comes back. Whereas I think yeah. with you know Martin Jones or Spencer Martin, you're you're kind of taking a big risk and hoping that it it pays off. And I think if you get a guy like yeah. you know Martin Jones or Spencer Martin, you're probably getting like you honestly might even be able to get like a 12 and three record with them while is out. But then you're, you know, you're, you're still getting like a eight seven oh seven, percentage and like a, a three point goes against type of thing. Like it's, it's going to be the team's going to have to really yeah. do all the heavy lifting with, with one of those guys. I think as much as I like Martin Jones and Spencer Martin, I don't see them, especially in the Atlantic division as well. Um, to really be able to actually, like, carry the team if the team's struggling for a game. You can't get that from them. Yeah,
0: and uh, I'm currently just sorting by news and uh, Googling Brian Elliott, just seeing if he's done anything yet. Uh, I
1: don't even know know what he's doing
0: anymore. Looks like he's still a free agent. He hasn't said he's retiring, but... It's possible we bring him back just because he's been around, but... um, Definitely hasn't played well enough that we'd want him to be our starter. Um, yeah, exactly right. We've got Hugo Alnefelt in the AHL, who has been really good. In He was pretty good two years ago, and he really took a step last year. I don't know if he's ready for the NHL, and he's pretty young. I think he's like 22, 23. Okay. But he looks like he's going to be, at the very least, a serviceable backup. It looks like he's going to be the backup of, for the future for Vassy. So it might be neat to see him be able to slot into quite a few games and get a
1: couple of reps under his belt. Um, Well, I think if, you know, I mean, if if they can't go out and find anyone, he's probably the guy that, you know, gets the call. Maybe he, who's their other, like, who's their current backup now, just in general? uh, I think it, well, so last season it was Brian Elliott,
0: but he is, would they let his uh, contract expire? Uh, I believe it was Johansson. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if you if you take I honestly he had, hadn't heard much about him before that. But yeah, I think I believe he came from. Did he come from Edmonton or was it uh, Colorado? Johansson came over from. I, I saw a lot Colorado. of people. Yeah, I saw a lot of people from that were fans of the team that he came from, saying that. uh they're surprised Tampa's taking a swing on him because he didn't look great, which uh, doesn't yeah, give me a ton of hope. With,
1: he
0: was with Colorado. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe if he splits some games with Alnefelt, you know, maybe we try and squeeze in some other guys or we pick somebody up, you know. Mm-hmm. All, realistically, all we have to do is we, you, you can aim to go 500. You try and not have more losses than you have wins in that time when vasi has gone and you're good. Mhm. Because if you're going 500 with 900 or worse goaltending, as soon as Vasi's back, you know it's going to be better.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's basically just holding off and trying to at least stay afloat until Vasi comes back, and then you know that things are going to turn around quickly.
2: Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's an interesting
1: you know, decision Tamp has to make now. They've never really had this uncertainty when it comes to their goaltending situation in the last little while.
0: Yeah, it's especially because, you know, generally, not only has Vassie been an absolute iron man for the past six years at this point, but, you know, McElhaney was good enough that if Vassie was out for a week, he could pick up the slack. Elliott, up until last year, was that good. You know, we, we never had a great backup. But they were always good enough.
1: You were never but, paying a backup more than league minimum.
0: Yeah, that's how they uh, save it. Was making nine fifty k, and McElhaney was making nine hundred. Like yeah, and so the first time when we don't really have one of those just veteran guys that's just hanging out. Now all of a sudden we're kind of at a loss. But you know what? Yeah. maybe uh, there's there's a good young guy who could be thinking. If I can if I get my foot in the door, I'll take a cheap deal to start twenty games for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that could really prove something for myself for the rest of my career, you know? Yeah. Cause right now Vladar is kind of in no man's land, but like you know, could you imagine if uh if he decided to you know get uh bought out or uh i don't think he'd fully go zadina route and like bet on himself by uh
1: terminating the contract for it but i don't think the flames you know. would i don't think they would want just... to take on that, that cap casualty yeah like they're bet the flames would rather just put him on waivers and see if
2: someone claims them and you know what
0: maybe uh Maybe that would be uh good for for Tampa if that happened, you know. If nobody claims him, and then because what happens if he? I guess if he goes through waivers, he's not a free agent. He's just he's just, yeah, an he AHL, just
1: goes, right? Yeah. Do you know what happens to his cap hit down there? Is it like half? I'm not fully sure. I think I think it may depend kind of on details On the contract. The contract. I was going to say I think sure. it might be
0: different contract
1: to contract. Yeah, I think in, well, I know in, You mean, he's on a one-way deal, which I don't know fully how that works, but I know with two-way deals, it's like, if you play in the NHL, you're making X amount. If you're playing in the AHL, you make Y amount, and they're they're very different uh, values. So I'm not sure how it works with guys that are on one-way deals and making like, you know, over $2 million a year type of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it'll um, be that uh, is it'll a, interesting okay. to see. I'm, I'm kind of hoping they go out and pick up somebody and don't just try and do it from within. I think it could be all right from within with uh, Johansson and Alnefeld, but I'd, I'd like to see them take a, take a chance on, you know, some dude who's willing to take a two-way 900k, 950k deal for one year.
1: I think if a trade doesn't happen, they're probably gonna take like a like a Spencer Martin or Martin Jones type of thing um i just I just see them going for that more kind of known not really much with Spencer martin but more Martin Jones, kind of just that veteran guy who you know what you're getting rather than taking a chance on a younger guy because then if it really doesn't pan out then you're then you're in a really tough spot, and then you also have to consider you know. If you're bringing in a guy and he's playing, you know, the NHL team, when he goes down to the AHL, he's, I mean, he's, he's taking away a spot from one of those guys down there now because you're, they're not going to send him down and have him not play all of a sudden. So I think what yeah. they're probably going to take a chance on a veteran and hope that they can either bounce back or, you know, just be serviceable enough to get through this um, tough, you know, little gap. For the next eight to ten weeks, I think they said something like that. Yeah, eight to ten. Uh, I believe they said eight.
0: I don't know if it's like eight to ten from now or eight to ten from the start of the season.
1: But I think uh, it's eight to ten weeks from now, which is kind of why. Why like most reporters are saying like they got to get through eight weeks, type of thing. So we still got like a little bit about two weeks before the season starts. But, but again, with rehab, like it, it could, you know, be quicker. Could take a little bit longer. It's you know, it's it's never an an exact known amount of time. Yeah, but and uh, something to keep
3: in
0: mind. So, with uh, regarding Martin Jones, he's uh,
1: he's with Toronto right now, currently, right? Yeah, and in training camp right now, they 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 have him with the, kind of their AHL squad. They've now kind of broken up into their their different groups and he's with a lot of their AHL guys. So it's kind of looking like he'll, you know, be going to the AHL and he'll have to be placed on waivers to do so. Right. It's also another guy, actually, I believe he's with Buffalo again, is Aaron Dell, who I think he's on a PTO with them right now. So if it doesn't work out with Buffalo, I could see him maybe being a guy that... Uh, that Tampa looks too. Yeah, I would, I would
2: absolutely,
0: uh, see if he, uh, he could, uh, kick tires on him and
1: see if he could try and it. It would be a Can you... deal. Yeah. Oh, he's with, sorry, Columbus on a PTO right now. You're not allowed to give a guy
0: a PTO and like they play in actual games, right? That's only like, yeah, no, yeah, like only practices and, and, and the stuff like that. Season.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because be, like even even that'd last be funny year, to like, see he, he didn't like Aaron Dell only got four um NHL games played. Really kind of three because he came in halfway through one. Um but I mean it you know a two seven one goals against a nine one three um on one of the worst teams in the league being the Sharks and an oh and three record, like the wins aren't there, but the numbers actually aren't aren't terrible. And if you put him in a, in front of a team like Tampa, I think you you could actually get some pretty good value out of a guy that you could get for for league minimum. Yeah, I. Uh, so there is options for him. There's there's a couple of different routes they can take. Yeah, I find it uh, I find it
0: funny that because uh, you know, obviously with Vasilevsky being a top goalie in the league, uh, you know, as with every player in the league when they're high up, you know, people find a way to criticize one way or another. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, st- things like dry being a power play merchant, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah. one one thing that a lot of people say is, you know, uh, uh, Vasilevskiy's only ever played on top tier Tampa teams. And it's so funny hearing that because watching it, it's like, we play solid defense uh, once they are in our zone. generally, <clears throat> But off the rush, like, with uh, some games we will give up five or six breakaways, two-on-one, stuff like that. And it's like, that's when you see how good Vasi is <clears throat> at stopping those odd-man rushes, those really high danger chances. So, yeah. I, that, it, you know, if you can have one of those games where that doesn't happen too often, it'd be fine. But, like, the amount of times last year where we would uh, be playing Brian Elliott... And they, we let in five goals, and one of them's on the power play, and the other four are breakaways. And it's just like, man, when you don't have Vassie in, and they're getting breakaways nonstop, it's uh, kind of brutal.
1: Yeah, exactly right. There's always a couple sides to, to all of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, just interested to see the way that Tampa Bay decides to take the situation and whatever way they do, how does it end up working out for them? Yeah, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, what did we have uh, next on the docket here? We had uh, Calgary? Whatever you want to do, we can, can go whatever we want. Yeah, it's very fitting. Go from Tampa to Calgary. There we go. Yeah, yeah so, uh,
0: so they, re-signed, they officially re-signed uh, for four and a half for two years. Um, yeah.
1: What's his name? Michael Backlund. Uh, I are casting a Michael
0: Stone, and I knew that was wrong.
1: Now, hey, we yeah. can we talk about a stone it. later if we want being in Mark Stone because he's a little bit of a fucking crybaby right now, but we'll dive <laughs> into that later. We'll dive into that later, all in due time. Sure. But yeah, um, I mean, it's he, he was the clear cut best choice to be the captain. And I said it the whole time, but I said, you know, also that you've, you've got to actually know that he wants to be around and part of the organization and to you know, sign a two-year deal and on a little bit of a cheaper cap hit than what was expected and from what he's making now. um, And then just even his interviews, like, it's very clear that that he wants to be in Calgary and wants to be a part of this organization. So I think this is the, like, the picture-perfect choice for the Flames. Yeah, it's, uh, especially with a
0: team as turbulent recently as the flames you know daryl sutter being polarizing in the locker room they lost goudreau they lost kachuk it's there's a lot of stuff going on it's um it's good to have a guy who is so reportedly good for the locker room uh to be sticking around uh also especially cause he, he just, yeah because he just won the um do you win the king clancy this year
1: yeah uh, if that's for like the Best within their,
0: uh, yeah, the like top
1: guy within their community for, yeah, doing stuff. I believe he did doing doing good stuff. Whatever, whatever you want to word it, yeah, he he did he did just win that. So that also tells you a lot about uh, what he just brings to the city itself. Not even just the flames.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did win it this year. So that, uh, so that that's, that's definitely good a good I'll guy. To keep
1: some clarity on on that and they know what guy they're they're kind of running with now is their their leader. That's kind of a, a big thing that, you know, has been talked about within the organization and overshadowed a lot of things. So now that they actually have that kind of big item checked off the list, now they can, you know, start to move forward with this new, you know, kind of new regime that they're building there in Calgary.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you, by, uh, do you happen to know where Backland played uh, lineup-wise for
1: them this past year? Was he on um, the third line? Yeah, he's mostly kind of a third-line center, but he, he does get some good time on the power plays, kind of their go-to guy on the penalty kill. So, like, he he, he still gets a good amount of ice time, but, yeah, for the most part, he's kind of that third-line center, you know, he, the longest time he's stuck behind, you know, Lindholm and Monaghan, yeah. and now it's... Uh, Lindholm and Cadry. Uh, Lindholm and in, in Cadry, so... Well, yeah. So I'm just looking at his stats here. I mean,
0: so third liner, 19 goals, 56 points, plus 24, 18, and 18 minutes and nine seconds average ice time per game. Like, so he's, def- that he he's definitely getting a lot on the special on teams. Him.
1: Yeah. Well, it's also worth knowing he's got such a good plus minus there, considering that the Flames weren't even a playoff team. Like, I know they just barely missed, but usually when you see teams, uh, you know, missing the playoffs, you don't normally see guys with a plus-minus that high. Yeah, so plus-minus pretty good. So, I mean, I, I, I do still think plus-minus is a bit of a a meaningless stat in some senses. But I mean, regardless, you don't to, rel- you can't, minus like you just have to take it with a
0: grain of salt for sure. But like, yeah. you know, when a guy is a when a guy is an overwhelming plus, or if a guy is putting up 100 points and is minus 30, the, then you know something's going on more. So,
1: Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's a great choice for the Flames, though. I, I think that this is really going to be the start of, you know, I think the franchise has kind of been in this doom and gloom state um, from the moment that Gujron Kachuk left. This is kind of the first you know, big, exciting news for them. and something that they can really, you know, kind of start yeah. to rally around and, and move into this next, next era that they're trying to build here, especially with, you know, new coach, new, new GM, all of that. It's a, it's a new, new wave for them. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to see sooner
0: rather than later, a couple more extensions or at least, at least the Lindholm one.
1: I'd, I'd love to see Elias yeah. Lindholm stick with Calgary. Yeah, Um, I think he's uh, just a great fit there. And I think he'll probably, if he sticks around, he'll be the next, uh, the guy that takes over when Backlund eventually hangs him up. Yeah. Um, Have you heard anything on Hannafin?
0: I know Hannafin's been the one that uh, a lot of people seem pretty sure that he's gone.
1: That one's a weird one. um, Because he was the one guy that there was nothing about the whole time like no news about him, uh, nothing about talk. So I think a lot of people kind of just ran with that he wanted out. And just because they weren't hearing anything, but it sounds like his, he, he didn't want to talk about a contract during the summer. It sounded like he just wanted to train, you know, get better um, and, and, and so on. So it's, it'll be kind of interesting now, now that, you know, training camps going on, uh, the season's starting to get closer. if, if there is going to start to be some talks uh, you know between the flames and hannafin and see if they can maybe come together on on some or i mean like uh like craig conroy said they're not going to run into a Goudreau situation with him in charge if you know these guys aren't signing they're not going to take a risk and hope oh maybe we'll sign him in the off season bef- before he maybe walks like it'll be you know those guys who who don't have extensions come the trade deadline regardless of where the flames are at they're going to be they're going to be shipping them out so yeah that those like the Hannafin and Lintome are kind of time sensitive because they've really only got until the trade deadline to to have something figured out
0: yeah and i can't imagine i mean i know the agents are the ones doing a lot of the contract negotiations but i can't imagine guys want to be too involved with talks unless they're getting really serious during the season. Exactly you know, they're right. not going to be they're not going to be going back and forth on numbers from now until March.
1: Well, it's even like you know when you look at um, Anthony Duclair in San Jose, like he's on you know the final year of his deal. Um, he has already said that he is, um, he he is open to staying in San Jose long term, but I think the Sharks are kind of just like waiting to. Not only see where he kind of slots into the lineup, but if he's a good fit and whatnot. But uh, Duclair he's actually does volatile player. when he sure. represents himself as well. He doesn't have an agent, so you know, when oh, wow. he talks, it's, it's going to be straight between the Sharks and Duclair. There's no no middleman or anything. So
0: that's um, that's pretty rare yeah, in these in this day and age. Not,
1: exactly, not a lot of guys right? do so, that. I mean, if the Sharks want him to stick around, then he's you know he can hop right into talks just himself and you know go from there and i think it makes it a little bit easier on him maybe negotiating uh you know these these talks when you don't got to worry about your your agent getting a certain amount like you know you're you're just negotiating for yourself here you're not doing it for for your party or anything type so right
0: you know i but, uh yeah. A little bit of me wonders if that's um,
1: if that's uh, a reason that he's bounced to so many teams over the years. Because well, he only started doing it recently. Like I oh, think okay. he, I think he just represented himself for his last deal he signed over with Florida. So he really hasn't been doing it for for too long. Oh, okay. Uh, but. I mean, yeah, I think if, if the Flames can get Lindholm and Hannifin signed, I think you kind of got your, your whole core that you're, you know, running with now for, for their, you know, ex- extended future. Um, and if, yeah, if they can't figure out something, then, you know, they're just going to have to, regardless of how they're doing, they're just going to have to rip that Band-Aid off and, um, and, and start to add other pieces and to kind of replace what those guys bring.
0: Yeah. And, um... Right before we move on, I'm just going to throw out there. Uh, Michael Backlund, played his, he's played his entire career with the Calgary Flames. And yeah. uh, he's got 908 games played. So assuming he plays the majority of the next two seasons that he signed with Calgary, he'll hit uh, 1,000 games played only with that club. He's at 185 goals, so he'll hit 200, surely, if he plays enough games. He, uh, he's eight points back from... 500 points so he'll hit that pretty pretty solid little career he's put together here in calgary that's uh it's good to see
1: yeah yeah that's it's huge for calgary and it's you know gonna he still got a lot of big moments to have with that team so it's and it's the perfect place for him to you know hit all those milestones one of those
0: guys that stuck around with one place long enough that uh even though he's never been, you know, that, that superstar, a game breaking talent, you, you start wondering once he done, you know, does he come back as a coach, assistant coach, a GM? He's just, he's been here for so long that, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. You could definitely see it. Yeah. Uh,
1: but aside from that, what, what else did we want to dive into? There's not a whole lot, like a lot of it's just kind of preseason stuff and, you know, teams aren't doing anything crazy or they're just kind of figuring out yeah. their their lines and and all that kind of fun shit yeah, right now. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of goofy games
0: right now in the in the preseason two more things to kind of talk about.
1: I think yeah, you have I know you said I'd you had there.
0: something and then we've got uh we've got the EA Sports ratings.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. Um we we can we can do this when I got here first, uh, just cuz it's not sure. as long. Um I don't have the full list um but i i I just i have kind of the the big highlighted ones that i I took away from it um so recently the uh the athletic um which is you know quickly growing but also kind of slowly dying um due to layoffs and whatnot but the the athletic is basically the subscription-based um, news source for kind of all things sports. And one of the big things they did uh, to, at the start of this season was they took 51 NHL players and they asked them what rule changes if you could If you could make one rule change in the league, what would you choose? Mm. Yeah, um, so I, uh, a here I saw a I highlight of this, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't
0: actually end up going through. I think I saw like one or two of them.
1: Yeah, and, and there's a couple of good ones, and then a couple ones that, or don't make sense. But um, <laughs> the 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 big one. This was from both Johnny Goudreau and Jack Eichel. Uh, this one, I think everybody agrees with. They wanted to get rid of the shootout and just have it be um 3 on 3 overtime until someone scores to win the game which i think everybody in the entire world agrees with that nobody yeah. really wants a shootout to stick around as as cool Any, as it can anybody be anybody who watches a lot
0: of games you know the people who are watching upwards of 40 games a year want this to happen you know the only people yeah. at left advocating for it are the people who only catch the highlights and you know they see they see a sick goal every once in a while in the shootout and they're like the shootout's just fun but in reality it's it's a very deflating end to a game that you've sat there watching for 60 minutes of play and then the overtime as well so yeah yeah it's it's got it's it's become. i remember maybe i don't even know if it's as long as 10 years ago when this movement of people wanting it to go, the shootout to go away started like gaining a lot of traction, but now it's like, it's just like accepted as almost fact that like, if you're a hockey fan, 99% of the time you're going to want this rule change. Like it's, it's pretty well known at this point. So I, it really only seems like a matter of time before it actually gets changed. Maybe with the next CBA,
1: they'll say, you know what, we're changing some rules too. I think as long hopefully. as Gary Bettman's around, the shootout's not going anywhere. Well, you know like what? going to be. be post-Gary Bettman. Well, you know what? Whoever comes in after Bettman,
0: that's an absolute layup. You come in and you say, hey, guess what? We're getting rid of the shootout. And immediately, you're starting off on a good foot with everyone. Yeah. So, you know yeah, what? Exactly. That's, a, that's just a layup for the next guy, if that's the case. Which, yeah. hopefully,
1: the next guy comes sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, this next one, I don't really agree with. I can see the reasoning behind it, but I, I don't like it. Um, Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets said that goals should not end power plays. Meaning, if you're on the power plane, you score, you're still on the power plane. Mm. That um, other player can't leave the box. I don't like that. Um, I think it's fine just the way it is. If you're on the power plane, it's only a two-minute penalty, and you score... It's done. I, I'm fine with if it's a five minute major. It's it's a continuous power play um, because Vegas obviously doesn't know how to I, handle that. <laughs> I do love but. that trade off of
0: like if it's just a penalty. You know, you get one goal that sucks for you, and now we're moving on. But I really do like the if you do something egregious enough to get five minutes, then you're SOL. They can pepper you for as many as they want.
1: Exactly. And the reason I think this one will never happen is because there's always so much like controversy around penalties, especially, you know, we see with like with players mm. diving like a Tim Stutzel, you know, or even just like true. tripping once it happened, like teams and fans would be like irate if a garbage phantom tripping call happens and then the other team puts up three goals in that two minute power play. And I hadn't even considered anything, that. And, like, that can happen. That's so a great I think point. There's, There would just be too too much um backlash on that. So I don't ever see that happening. I think it's fine just the way it is.
0: Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a good uh good way of putting it. You really laid it out well there, you know. It's it's just there's there's too much scoring now, and the power plays are especially so deadly that it, you know, it would really suck if the entire game got changed off of one tripping call especially if it's like uh you know not a real call or you know a phantom exactly call you know some, right. something stupid or controversial in any way because god does it suck going online after you know you watched a good hockey game and all anyone talks about is the refs it's like yeah man a guy exactly. made a second earlier right. and nobody's talking about it because somebody got screwed over
1: yeah um, the next one, I, I can see, I can see the argument for both ways. Um, Philip Forsberg of the Nashville Predators, um, he wants to remove back-to-backs from the schedule, meaning you can't play on back-to-back nights. You get at least one day in between in between games, at the very least.
0: I mean, that's that's just kind of one of those things that's a bit above my pay grade. You know, I don't, I don't know how feasible it is to set up. 82 games in a season, none of them on the same night. But if it's possible, I I like to think it'd be good for the game, you know? You're going to get a better product. You know, there's not going to be guys going out there dogging it, guys being more tired, you know, you're going to get a fresh guy every night. If it's logistically possible, it would be good, but I don't know if it is.
1: I think that the the thing is is I don't ever see this happening only because um the the nhl has implemented so many things like they do have the all-star you know weekend which you kind of lose about four four or five days from that um you know you've also got if if the olympics i mean that doesn't really affect the nhl so that one doesn't matter but even what they're starting to introduce for teams is once during the season teams get like a, a bye week so they've got a whole week off of no games whereas if you remove back-to-back all of a sudden you're not going to have that you know whole week off that that teams get so right i I don't know and i also see it like i'd love to know what the players
0: think of that if like you know if they pull the players would you rather have this one week off or would you rather never get double gamed into in days back to back like i'd love to know what the voting on that would look like
1: yeah, exactly, and I think a lot of guys would prefer, especially when you like, you know, if you're a team from the the East Coast and you're going over to California and doing that road trip, I think they a lot of guys would rather just you know go, you land games one and two of it, whatever, teams you play yeah. one day off, and then you play that, uh, the third team, and then it's you know you're you're gone and on your way, and you're you're heading yeah. back home rather than yeah,
0: you land you on know, Monday. Monday. And you play yeah. the ducks Tuesdays, the sharks, and then Thursday you play the Kings, and you get the fuck back home, like yeah, it uh, that that second game there might suck, but you know, maybe maybe the guys like uh, having the road trips overall be shorter because
1: of it, yeah, exactly, right um, I mean th- this one like this, this one doesn't really matter too much. it doesn't affect the game at all or anything. But Clayton Keller just said that there should be no dress code on game days, which <laughs> I, I'm indifferent on. Like that, that can go either way. Whatever the players want, um, I say just let them do what they want.
0: Yeah, I uh, definitely don't think there should be dress codes, just because I think that means if there is a dress code, it's because the guys want to and they want to be like, we're you know, let's uh, all the boys dress up together. Like you know, if uh, if all the guys are like, we don't we don't fucking care, like. Then they shouldn't have to do it. But if all the team, you know, wants to, you know, we show up in our uniform the same way way we, you know, go out onto the ice kind of thing, then you know it'd be cool to see teams kind of it just give every team a little bit more of an identity.
1: Yeah, but I, I, and I think if you do it, I almost feel like you have to go the route of like if teams and players can decide as a team, you either got to decide either we're all doing it or like none of us are type of thing. So I think it would just be weird if you know you've you've got one guy coming in with a suit and on his teammates behind him in shorts and a t-shirt type of thing i don't know i think that would just be a little know. goofy and i think it i think it would just be more important to just have it be a collective team decision and be like we're either rolling this way or this way there's no you know half in half out type of thing
0: i think i think it's uh one of those things where it's just uh you know so many young guys, you know, you know, especially our, our age, don't care about doing that kind of thing and some of the older guys that are still around might just be, you know, this is how it's always been, so you know, this is how we do it. I I wouldn't think it's that weird if you know if you know Crosby's going into the room in a suit, but uh they got, you know, Braden Yeager going in, in his in his jeans and band t shirt or
1: something. I don't uh I don't think it'd be that weird. But oh, I just like the idea of it being a collective team identity type of thing, and you're all you're all kind of rolling yeah. on the same page. But
0: I, in my mind, I see it as a win-win. Either the team gains this identity of all doing one or the other, or everyone does their own thing, and they all kind of get their they all get that feeling of a little bit more individual identity. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I I can I can see what, what you're saying.
0: That's a uh, that's an um, interesting one that he uh they mentioned.
1: Th- this next one, I I like the idea of it but I firmly believe that it shouldn't ever happen. Um, but Tage Thompson says that kick a goal, so basically kicking the puck into the net should be allowed, which I like the idea of it, but I don't think that should ever um, become a rule just because then even if you make it kicking it like legal, you've still got a whole bunch of gray air you have to cover of, okay, what well, what's the definition of a kick then? Like can guys, you know, just full on as hard as they can boot it because that like then I think you're just running into a lot of potential injury risks for, you know, guys yeah. getting down blocking shots in the goalie and like if, and but but then it's tough. Then Cause then, yeah, you could be like, oh if it's like right there and you give a little bit of a tap, that's fine. But then, you know, refs always call stuff differently. So then you're going to run into controversy of, of now like, Oh, well look, they allowed this, this kick the other night, but, now tonight this kick wasn't allowed like what and and then it's just a whole yeah
0: uh, i mean it's already a whole thing with that with the whole kicking motion thing now but uh personally i think the exact opposite i i am so sick of oh he was stopping so it should be a goal oh kicking motion it's not a goal you know what if we're worried about the health especially of the goalies with kicking it's always a no goal if the puck goes off your foot for any reason and into the net, it's a no goal. It can't go in off your foot. Like, but yeah. but what if it goes in on accident? Then it was an accident and he didn't mean to score. Who cares? Like, you know yeah. what? Just just take him out completely. And you know what? If it bounces off his foot, try and get your stick on it and poke it over the line first and then
1: it'll be a goal. Like, yeah, like there's I think yeah, there's just so much much gray area with it that just can't it, it it would just it would never be perfect. You would still again, you'd you'd still be in the same situation they're in now of of it, so I don't ever see that happening. I like the idea of it, but I just don't see a way yeah. that it, they can ever do it and have it work properly,
0: yeah, i think I think there'd just be too much risk uh, i do I do get where he's coming from saying that like you know it's a skillful it's a skillful move to be able to kick. The puck in the net i mean you're it's way harder to kick it in the net than shoot right but yeah but you can't just have everyone crash in the net you know the goalie's already down a guy falls over because there's a scrum you know a guy's laying down to block a shot and all of a sudden these guys are kicking with their knife shoes that that's pretty yeah. dangerous yeah i just don't think you could do that
1: this one is probably the one i actually Okay, the, the second one I hate the most on this list. I'm okay. saving the, 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 the last, the one I would like think is the worst for the very end. And it's interesting, this one comes from a defenseman. This comes from Charlie McAvoy. Um, and his proposed rule change is you can't ice the puck on the penalty kill. So, like, if you're on the penalty kill, you have to treat okay. it just like you're five on five. And I, I just don't like that. I think, you know, if you're on the penalty kill... I don't know. I think, I think you. I think it's more than fair that you're you're allowed to ice it, especially then if you add this in and you, you know, whatever, you're at PNC Oilers and they've been cycling it on you for you know, a minute and your guys are dog tired and they ice it. Now all of a sudden it's like now Oilers can send out you know, fresh guys there and now you've got four guys out there who are dog tired. So not only are you shorthanded, but your guys are gassed and the other team's got fully rested guys. I just don't and I get the idea of it's to add more more goals, like have the power plays um produce more but I think scoring in the league is pretty good right now, where it's at. like, yeah,
0: that's the thing. I definitely get where he's coming from with it because sometimes it can be really easy to kill off a penalty, and arguably it shouldn't. If you broke the rules of the game, you know, maybe it should be it should be hard. Maybe you should be dog tired. I would like to see some sort of hybrid thing. Maybe, maybe they make it so... Icing is still a thing, but when you're on the penalty kill, you only have to get to the blue line instead of the red line. Or even, like, if they make a dotted line from where the hash marks are across the ice. And you just have to get halfway past... You have to get past the in-the-zone in the face-off dot, and then you can ice it.
1: So mm. you can't like have that- it
0: in your corner and throw it, but... You only have to go. What? It, what would that be? Ten feet forward, and then then you can ice yeah. it. Something like that.
1: Or even if you I could do something, when you see ice something like it, that. Like it, but it I don't can, know if the leak needs it. No, but and you could even do something like when you can ice it, but you can't. So you it can't hit the boards or something. Like it's, it's you. It has to be light enough mm. that it doesn't go all the way down and touch the boards on the other end. But again, I think again you're going to run into those situations where it's coming down and it looks like it might've hit, but it doesn't. And then you've got, and then if it hits the corner, then again, mm-hmm. it's just one of those one set.
0: Or, you know, know maybe, just, maybe, maybe you make, make it.
1: So if, uh, if
0: you ice it on the penalty kill, you can't change. So McAvoy shoots it down and all his buddies go change. But that one guy has to stay out there. Maybe you could do something like that, but uh, that, I, I, that I, point, I think at that, that point, it might just be making
1: rules just for the sake of making new rules. Yeah exactly and i don't think the rest want to have to now focus on whoever it is that ice the puck like sometimes you've got a scrum and someone just gets a backhand on it and lobs it way out and then now you're trying to figure out well now who was it like who who can i who do i decide yeah. can't change type of thing um i've only i've only got three more left on here and these these three are all okay. kind of well these next two i can see the argument behind them um but so this one comes from Seth Jarvis on Carolina, and he says that refs should be available for interviews after uh, games. 100%. See, so I disagree. Really? And I disagree for a couple reasons. Okay. Um, the first one being, if you implement this rule, you have to pay every single ref way more money. Because it, if the refs are are going to have to be subjected to interviews and the bright lights and stuff like the players, they need to be compensated for that. Um, and secondly, we're already running into an era, especially in like, youth hockey right now, where finding refs is super hard. And the NHL is eventually going to run into that problem because there's not as many up-and-coming refs. Um, so it, it could eventually become something that's pretty easy to get into just due to it being such a small field. And I think having that of, you know if you're a ref, you're, you're forced to now do interviews and uh, have all the bright lights on you, I think that could, you know, potentially scare um, a decent amount off from, from doing that because they want to just ref hockey because they love the game. They don't want to get caught up in all this interview stuff and, and being forced to do all that. So I don't I, think I, see it, the idea. I don't I don't think it's like, fair to give people, the refs that when they don't give that to the players, though players
0: have in their contracts have a certain amount of contractually obligated media availability. And even if you're, you're a quiet guy, you don't want to go talk to nobody, you're just really good at hockey and ended up playing in the NHL, you got to go do those media availabilities because that's just how the NHL is. You got to put yourself out there a couple times the a r- year at
1: least. So making way more money than refs, which again is why I'm saying you, gotta, you have to handsomely pay every ref and linesman um, more money. True,
0: but I mean, so if you increase it by, you know, whatever they're making now to 1.2, you know, uh, times the amount, like 20% raise across the board, that's quite a bit of extra money there that those refs are making for an extra. uh, How long would it take to interview the refs? How much are you going to miss them? An extra probably fifteen minutes of interviews, so call it an extra half hour
1: of work after after the game. I also think though, the the other issue would be for the refs is you know every question is gonna be about like missed calls or something. Yeah. Like it's never gonna be anything positive. So it's basically them after every game now being subjected to people telling them basically that they're shit at their job almost. Well so that's why it would obviously
0: have to be uh, you know, actual you know, the, the people with the media credentials, they let in, you know, you you can't just let every guy wearing a Matthews jersey show up and say, hey, why'd you screw us? You know, it's it's got to be guys that are going to phrase it in a way where they're not outright being a dick. But also, but you know, so ask, guys ask, it in, ask it in a fair way. And if, if the yeah, guys are so not going to do that, then that. You,
1: you fire them and you get new guys in there that aren't going to be like that, you know? But that's the thing is I don't think the teams necessarily care if their their guys are asking those questions. Well, then if,
0: the if that's the case, you
1: don't you take it out of the team's hands. And as the NHL,
0: Gary Bettman, you know, you then he should be the one being like,
1: okay, we'll send these guys because. But see, then the then, then do you're do a, a dictatorship type of thing of now the commissioners choosing who's allowed to to interview and whatnot. So, and I also think a big yeah. thing is just. A lot of it's going to be the same responses of like, you know, the the call came from Toronto, like we went with, they they reviewed it with all their screens and they gave us, you know, this result. And so we just had to announce it type of thing. I
0: I guess, but that's just, that that would be
1: more than we have now. Right now, I don't know what any of the refs
0: think about things. Like, I don't know if, they're, if they would just be saying, I didn't see it every time, or if they'd be thinking, I don't call it the exact same way that other refs call it. To me, that's not interference or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't know. And it would be kind of neat because it would give a little bit of personality to some of the refs. And you'd actually, you know, then, think you know, at that. the start of the game when they're saying that, you know, this ref and this ref are coaching, you can go, Okay, these guys call a bit of a tighter ship, you know. Maybe it'll be a maybe it'll be a lot more penalties in the first. Guys learn, and then in the second, third, it's a bit tidied up or something like that. Or you know, maybe See, for the level, you, you
1: get the loose cannons out there, and you go, "Oh, this is going to be a shit show." See, but I th- I think like when you watch a game, how often at the end of the game can you be like, "These were the refs and these were the linesmen," unless it's like a Wes Mcaulay. Yeah. Yeah, like, never. so when you've got all these, you know, keyboard warriors online, and we've seen the lengths that people go to this, to say stuff, I think when, you know, people are complaining, it's just like, oh, the refs sucked, like the refs did this, I think if you start giving out, you know, and making it very public and clear who the refs are, all these guys that watch are then gonna, you know, start name dropping. And we've seen the lengths people go to to, you know, send messages and post stuff and I, I think it's just a lot of stuff that the refs don't want to deal with and i think it's stuff that the league doesn't really want the i think refs to have to deal with
0: i think they're in a, enough of a position of power that they should they should have to and i'm not saying they shouldn't be financially at least compensated for that or something but a uh, uh, side note uh they should definitely be paid more when a game goes to overtime i'm pretty sure they don't get paid extra for that no but... i don't think they do Maybe like, like imagine, imagine going I'm to sure. five OT in the playoffs and just like you're just doing this for free,
1: like yeah. that sucks. But I get the I, idea of it. I you just don't see a way it 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 can ever actually be fully a fully functioning um, idea. Like you're just gonna run into it's just there's gonna be so like constant problem solving within it. So then it's really. You know, you're getting the product out that that people want, but now you're you're also dealing with all these other things. So it's like I I do see the pros and cons to it. Like I I definitely see the argument for it, but I think there's just too many negatives that come out of it. Mm, that's fair. But that's not the first. It wouldn't be the first time the NHL's done. You know, something like that. Yeah, they um, they
0: make questionable calls all the time. Looking at George Paro, speed in charge of player safety. <laughs>
1: The the second last one I have it's 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 very fitting that it's from Sidney Crosby. Um, his one was bring back the red line, basically meaning you can't make a pass across center ice. Which okay. I I it, I mean I can it it's never going to happen because the NHL loves those you know big long stretch passes for breakaways and whatnot. Yeah. But I see the premise of it. That Crosby wants that. Yeah. Well, it's. I think his generational playmaker is to remove those stretch passes that can lead into suicide passes, resulting in a good a majority of the concussions that happen in the league are from you know passes up center ice and a guy gets cranked while receiving it or the passes in his feet behind him he gets looking down and then gets blown up. So, like, I can see why. He wants that um, just to, you know, reduce injuries, uh, especially head injuries, which are the most severe. Um, But again, I don't see the league doing it because they love their, you know, big stretch passes and they create those, uh, those highlight reel goals that people always go to. Yeah. I mean, McDavid just, uh, I think
0: it was earlier today, got a, or maybe it was yesterday, got a sweet OT winner uh, here in the preseason
1: pass yeah, from did.
0: just below his blue line up to him who was skating along the bl- other team's blue line went in dangled the goalie like yeah yeah it uh it creates a lot of exciting goals i i can't imagine that there'll ever go back to that unless scoring gets really out of hand
1: but and then it's also again like all of these there's just that grayer again If if it's you know a pass and it's caught kind of like right on the the, like the goal or the, like center ice or maybe it's like a touch over and then you know play gets blown down and then there's argument of no it was on the line or it wasn't fully over and then i think you just and then it, it just really kind of slows the game down i, think, I guess I but, think so happen. they would probably just
0: go with the same rules they do with offsides right like almost every rule that they have at this point like there's ways you could be like well should it be this or or is it like this and at the end of the day, the
1: refs just kind of make the call, and I,
0: I think mean, you all, none you of you us have, have a time the, machine, so
1: we just move on, right? You have to bring another ref in, I think, though, to specifically do that, because I think well, that'd, that'd be varied when you've got your linesmen on opposite sides. Up to have one, you know, positioned on center ice, and then if a guy catches the pass and quickly turns up the ice with a teammate, the refs got to like get over to that blue line now quickly, and make sure it's not offside, and then I yeah. think that could also affect, you know potential offsides happening that don't get uh, don't get called. Yeah. Well, I mean, so if
0: I was an NHLer and they asked me this uh, question, my answer, uh, as somebody who's not in the NHL at least, what I think it would be is that they definitely need another ref uh, watching the game. They need two more refs. One watching the feed that we are all watching at home and one that is watching from up in the Maybe not up in the press box, but like in an eye in the sky type view where they can see more. And yeah. they, they both have a phone down to the penalty box. And, you know, this guy goes, hey, I saw this watching the feed that millions of people at home are watching. People are going to be pissed because you missed a high stick on, behind on the play. And you say, we're, we're rolling the clock back 20 seconds and this guy has a two minute."
1: And, uh... Yeah, I, I never see that and because again, I think then you just really, I think you, you just run into a lot of problems with that happening. Like I get it, you know, it, it 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 would balance out both sides, but I think you could potentially run into then again, then you've got to also have all these guys calling it the same way. Like it's pretty bad if, especially with guys embellishing, if you've got a guy that sees it happen on TV and calls it in and then, you know, they, they run it back. 30 seconds, call the penalty, but then it turns out it was never even an actual high stick. it was a guy diving, then you're...
0: Uh, but then, so, know. refs make wrong calls on the ice all the time. You know, that's just human error. That's going to happen, but I think, I think it would do a lot more good for the game than it would hurt. And, you know, maybe, maybe make a small list of rules they can't call uh, if the ref missed it, you know? You could give them embellishment... You know, uh, the things like the misconducts for, uh, you know, saying something to players, you know, maybe the they heard is, wrong if, on the
1: broadcast or something. But, but the thing is, is if a guy in the sky sees it and calls it, then the refs have to actually pull out the iPad and review it to be like, this guy sort of a high stick. We need to see if the other guy was embellishing or if there was no high stick and it was just embellishing. Well, they don't anything. have to. They don't have to review it. The other guy's a ref. If you have yeah, the ref, ref in the sky, he's a ref just as much as the guys on the ice.
0: I but again, if, it's, one, it's if one ref make makes the call,
1: then it goes. When you're further away, like if you're up close, it's one thing. But I think if you're watching it from afar, it's it's. Mm-hmm. I'd I, I be pissed. I, in, in my, my mind, was... they've
0: already reviewed it on the iPad. Like the guy up there, as soon as he sees something, he doesn't just go, "Oh, that's a penalty." He like. He, like, calls down and he's, like, watching on the iPad. And by that
1: point, he's already watched it and reviewed it. I just think that would get old, though, if you're watching games and it's, you know, because it would probably happen quite often that, you know, they have to blow the buzzer and be like, now we got to. I think you just it's a it's bad for the game if you're running into situations where you have to keep moving the clock back and adding time back on. I think it just kind of slows the pace. You would, of the game you
0: would 100% need to have a limit on that. If it happened more than twenty or thirty seconds ago, it's out of our hands, and it it happened a while ago. You can't you can't be like three
1: minutes ago this happened because that, it, that, that it, would be so it, brutal. enough time to get it on on the iPad and actually fully break down what yeah. happened and make a definitive call. It's yeah, I don't know. Like I, I I mean, by no means is the way that it you know works perfect. I think there are ways that it, it can be improved. It's just. I think that's something that's got to be like a, a big, you know, a whole month-long thing that they got to sit down and figure out the best possible way to, yeah, to move This forward. is this, this is just me just like throwing, throwing out what
0: I think would work-ish. Like, yeah. you know, they would, over years of tr- seeing what works best, you know, these penalties can be called by the guy in the sky, but these ones seem like they're more often wrong or they're they're just like not applicable in these scenarios and this is how much time on average they need to see it so maybe we give them 10 more seconds than that something like that like i definitely do not have uh specifics in mind for it but yeah uh, I just the think general a general skeleton of a rule change i think would be good
1: I, I agree with what you're saying to an extent i just think i never want to see the nhl come to a point where it's the game's just getting stopped and then you know the clocks having to be moved back i'd never want to see that happen yeah. in in the game i like the you know you're you're playing that that 20 minutes of hockey you're not playing yeah. if certain you know calls get made you're not playing you know 21 minutes and 30 seconds or something mm-hmm. in a period type of thing
0: yeah i'm also uh would hope in that scenario that you know those guys chiming in on reviews and stuff would maybe speed the process up it doesn't happen super often but way more often than it should you know last year there was like how how many reviews last year were there on goals that went like eight plus minutes it was at least like five which is it, it shouldn't yeah. happen at all that that's forever imagine being in the stands for that crap like yeah Especially yeah. if you're waiting that entire time and then get an unsatisfactory answer on the mic and they're just like, uh, there's no goal. And you're like, well, what were they even reviewing this whole time? Like, yeah, it, uh, Those huge breaks
1: really suck. And I know exactly which, which play you're talking about. That's the one where the puck got flipped over and it hit the netting, but they, they couldn't find the... Oh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't Remember the whole thing, but but it was very clear that it did uh, hit the net in the end. They just had to make sure they had that definitive angle. To they fully had to get the right angle
0: it. to be able to see the the net because on camera they purposefully make it hard to see the net so you can see the ice better. Yeah.
1: Well, not only that, yeah. I'm pretty sure the area they were at was uh, it was black netting, I think. Yeah, or something like that. So it was like black on black. Yeah, so it was even for the
0: Panthers Lightning game. Uh, two playoffs ago. Yeah, yeah. Because that was, that was the same game. That that was the first goal that got called off, and then the second goal got called off, and then when Pat Maroon scored our third goal, all five guys just sat there staring at the Jumbotron,
1: making sure it was a good goal. Yeah. Um. So the final one here, this one I think is very funny, because it comes from Jacob Truba, who he's kind of known for being... Uh, a lot of people are quickly... Um, the cheer for the Rangers are starting to be against him just because of his huge cap hit, but his is um, rule change is to just eliminate the salary cap altogether.
0: I've heard so many sides to this one. Like obviously there's two main sides, either you want it or you don't. Um, I have no idea
1: what the NHL would look like without a salary cap. Um yeah. I get I get his reasonings behind it. He does actually make very solid arguments. And that being that the salary cap does prevent, you know, some players from getting paid what they're worth. Um, like I think in terms of what McDavid does out there, he should be getting paid way more, but he obviously can't because of the salary cap. And then it also just restricts players' movement and uh, his last point was it makes like the NHL um trade deadline less exciting compared to other leagues because again Absolutely. there's you know certain movement restrictions due to salary cap and contracts but i mean if you eliminate the salary cap you're you're just gonna see you know all these players go to new york you know la toronto type of thing and and get paid you know because those teams make a lot of money so they can spend a lot of money on players and then you just run into all, all of these super teams, basically. And then you've got teams like, like Arizona and, um, maybe even Minnesota that not a lot of guys now want to go to. And they're like, I can go here and get paid way more money and be in a bigger market type of thing. So
0: I, uh, I, I don't want to talk too much on this just because I don't feel like I know enough on the ins and outs to do it justice. But, um, the majority of people that uh I personally uh know have a lot of knowledge of like uh a more in depth than a fan could get <laughs> knowledge of how the n h l works uh and people within the league uh almost unanimously seem to think it would be a good thing uh not only for the players but for the for the league and like for the product um if they got rid of the salary cap. I, huh. I'm not going to pretend to remember, you know, because, you know, uh, I've listened to podcasts where they talk about it, and, you know, they always have one guy playing devil's ad- advocate, because, you know, the main thing is, well, what about, you know, is Toronto just going to pay fucking every single good player and, and have them all in one place? And uh, I honestly do not remember, like... It, I remember it being confusing as fuck, but there they had seemed to have very good reasons on why it wouldn't happen like that. Um, there was a lot of you know
1: almost lawyer talk involved. I, I just think you to could decipher. really run into those those scenarios where you know, say, I'll use the Rangers because the Rangers fucking love going out and grabbing any big name. Yeah, available. New York. But like, what's to stop them from? You know, going when free agency, it's going to the top. You know, eight players and being like, "Hey, we'll pay each of you ten million for one season. I'll come here. Let's band together and, and win a cup, and then, you know, you guys can can do what you want after that type of thing." So, Which to my knowledge, shouldn't be happen. To
0: my knowledge, the MLB has no salary cap, right? Yeah. Um. I mean, so how does how how does it work there? Like, are are I really don't keep that close of an eye on the uh, major league baseball. Are there like super teams? Is it always
1: the same five in the finals? Or I'm not a hundred percent sure. I've only really been getting into watching baseball much kind of within the last year and a half. Okay. Um, but like, I I know that like the Yankees were super good for the longest time, and it. It makes sense because yeah. they bring in the most revenue out of any team, so naturally they've got, you know, a lot of money that they at can that, spend that level? On the I feel like I, I've, I feel
0: like I've always heard it like the Yankees have just been the best since uh, like every year that started with a one. Like before two thousands, they were just always the best because they always
1: bought the best players. But like I know they're just I, missing out on the feel, playoffs this year. I was gonna say, I, I feel that.
0: like I hear about more teams nowadays. You know, I hear about other teams doing well and uh not just the Yankees, which isn't how it's been for uh, quite a while. So yeah, I I don't know. But uh I but definitely then I get say, to get paid more
1: at the very least. I also say the thing is though, is so he says that the the salary cap, you know um restricts players from getting paid what they're worth. So then um, I'm trying to think of a good way to work. So then do you do you get rid of the whole RFA UF, UFA type of thing? Because it, say you're you're a player like Trevor Zegers right now and there's no salary cap, the ducks still own his rights. You would have to get rid, it. rid of it. There, yeah, there's, and there's no, no way guy's getting you paid this. fairly
0: if he can't go to a different team.
1: Exactly, right? But then so now say you're, you know, Chicago and you got Bedard, he could realistically in and, and three years be like, yeah, I'm just leaving because I can go here and they're offering me way more money type of thing. Yeah. Well
0: you know but what? So, maybe uh maybe it's more of me. a arbitration type thing, you know? When guys go to arbitration and uh, you know, this third party judges their value and then awards them the contract. Maybe uh maybe young guys have that. You know but those it's are like one year deal. You have to get your next contract with the team that drafted you, but these other guys are deciding
1: how much based on your first three years. But you, that those are only one year deals. And I don't that think with do, these players, you can give it, you can be like the arbitrator is like, yeah, you're getting, you know, six mil for the next three years or something. You could, uh, like, the arbitration can only ever work with, with one year deals. And it's, and that's because, you know, the teams and players go into that knowing, you know, we're going to go back and forth on this, but then the day it's only going to be a one year deal. And then whatever happens, you know, next year happens type of thing. Mm. Especially because I think you'd be irate if you were, you know, you watch this guy get, you know, eight mil for one year. And then all of a sudden you see a guy and he gets, you know, like a seven for four years. And it's like, well, I'd rather have that guy at, you know, seven. Yeah. No, for four. Or so I, yeah, I think there's just way too many. I don't think it'll ever happen. I think the NHL likes it the way that it is. You know, um, I, I mean, I, you can make I a mean, the change. They the way it is because they're screwing over the players a good bit. I mean, yeah, but, but it did. I think it de- delivers a better, a better, product. But I will say that it should be, you know, from start of the regular season to the very end of the playoffs, the salary cap exists. It it's not just magically now gone in uh in in the playoffs yeah that yeah, they or definitely they I don't lose. know why there's
0: no play a uh, salary cap in the playoffs that is so goofy
1: to me, yeah, or then you even do you know if i was the players you can make the the, the argument be like, okay, you, you know you sign your contract and say you're McDaven, and you're making twelve and a half for the regular season, but come playoffs, you know. His salary increases by by this amount or something because there's there's no salary cap, so he should be getting paid what he's worth, you know, when he delivers in the playoffs type of thing. Hmm. But I I think just being the salary cap is always in effect from start of regular season end of playoffs would be the best way yeah. to do it. But I don't know why they haven't.
0: Yeah, that would be why, so, that's that would be, be so doing. cool to see because you know some guys you know they have their their uh, performance bonuses you know hit 60 points on the year and you get an extra million dollars or something. That would be really cool to see like a guy be like, okay, but you're going to give me an extra $10 million if I put up 20 points in any single postseason for you or something yeah. like that. Be yeah, like, exactly. I'm going to make absolute bank if I haul your team to a cup. Like, yeah, that, that would be really cool to see.
1: Yeah. But yeah, those were, were some of the big, rule change that were proposed by players, I think I disagreed with the majority of them. I do like some of them, but again, I think you I think I, I do like the way the NHL is now. Like I, I'm I'm not oblivious to the fact that there are certain changes that need to be made. Um but I, I think yeah. we'll continue to see changes to the game over time, regardless. Like yeah. there's always going to be. I think we're going to see a we'll large amount ahead. when uh, in two instances when
0: the next CBA is signed in the next few Actually, years.
1: A rule. I got something they should add.
0: And then uh, when Batman eventually steps down, they get a new guy. I imagine some guy will put his stamp on the NHL next. But uh, yeah. What were you saying? You did you say you thought of a rule? Yeah, or? I thought of
1: one that I think would be the the best one of all. Well, actually, two. One, bring back the World Cup of Hockey, and two, let NHL players go to the Olympics. Jesus Christ! Like it blows my mind that we've gone to through the Olympics for the last couple years, and it's there's no NHL players in. Like, I think that's just terrible. We're
0: just like like, we're just going to miss out on McDavid and Crosby playing on the same team in the Olympics. We're just going to miss out on that, or even if we don't miss out on it it's not going to be the crosby that everyone knows it's going to be exactly. like a 40-year-old crosby like we deserve to see these two generational talents playing together at their peaks like come on yeah exactly right yeah um before we do move on i just want to throw in there real quick well since we were talking about uh um salary cap in the playoffs um I, there's no way I haven't mentioned it to you at one point or another because I love bringing this up. But uh, Tampa Bay, back in 2015, moved a notion forward to the league to introduce a salary cap in the playoffs because Patrick Kane came back this. from Patrick Kane came back from injury uh, for the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks beat the Lightning in the 2015 finals, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 30, or I guess I don't know how many teams were in the league at that point. Probably 30. Thirty. Uh, yeah. 28 teams said no, and the St. Louis Blues agreed. The St. Louis Blues oh. were the only team that agreed with the Lightning. So shout out to the Blues management for being cool. But uh, everyone else was like, no, we want to try and abuse this same loophole.
1: Yeah, well... Speaking of that, actually no, I'm not going to dive into that. I was going to dive <laughs> into Mark Stone being a crybaby and whatnot last night, but whatever. He'll be on LTIR in no time. Yeah, he didn't like he didn't like getting hit, and
0: I get it, I get it. But you know, I don't get it. It's 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 still professional hockey. You can't. I get people being like you shouldn't be throwing hit big hits in the preseason, but sure why should. not?
1: Why not? If you're if playing you a hockey game. It, it's if being I'm a televised. 26 year old, yeah, if, if I'm a 26 year old that's, you know, on a PTO and fighting like hell to get a chance to play in the NHL, finally, you do whatever it takes. If you got to go out there and yeah. just be a fourth line grinder that puts up, you know, 10 hits as good defensively, like if that's your game, you should you should be allowed to. And it's also Mark Stone wouldn't have got hit the way he did if he didn't slowly go into the corner and lazily play the puck, like treat it like an he, actual game. He's, he, he played, played the he's puck like he knew
0: it was a preseason game.
1: Like, say, like, he thought he was like playing shinny out there. And that doesn't say, and
0: you know, I've what? seen guys in scrimmage guy. play harder. So, yeah, you know, it's and, and, yeah, exactly. You you've got to take it seriously. It gets, These guys are fighting for yeah. a roster spot.
1: Yeah. Like he already knows he's, he's the captain. He's making a cool, whatever, ten and a half mil, nine and a half mil, whatever it is. This this kid's fighting for his life to to get the chance to play in the league. So I I 100 applaud him for that. And you know what? Look at it now. That's a highlight real thing, and the Kings could be looking at it like, "Well, shit. Like maybe we should give this guy a chance if he's already you know." You know I in guarantee he's he
3: plays another head. game
0: uh, for the Kings now because after the game, Mark Stone said. Yeah, well, at least I'm never going to see this guy again. And he clearly got very heated. The LA yeah. Kings will bring him up to play against the, King- the Knights later this season. You just know they're going me, to now. And it'll get it right into me. their heads.
1: Well, it reminds me similar of when Matthews came to the league and that that Scott Saburn guy was kind of trying to fight him. And Matthews was, you know, very, in a very douchebag manner was like, going around to look at the back of his jersey and be like who is this guy even and then later <laughs> on in the year that, that same guy goes out and scores a goal against the Leafs, I'm pretty sure it was
0: and so yeah. it's like now
1: look at it it's come full circle where Matt is like I don't even know who this this guy is and then Buddy comes back and ends up scoring on him later so yeah I do love that chirp though I love I, I do like when the whenever some
0: guy comes up and starts beaking at him and the other guys like. What what's the, What's your name? Who the hell are you? That's uh, that's uh, always one that I think is a bit funny. I
1: think doing the gesture of following the guy to look at the back and like, where would be like, yeah, yeah, you're I a, haven't seen the clip no you're name.
0: referencing. I don't know. Cad- Cadence is obviously important, you know. Don't it's follow him to do it.
1: But Yeah, it, it's pretty, di- like, I'm, I mean, making the chirp is fine, but I think you know, trying to get behind him and look at his jersey and whatnot, I think that's just taking it a bit too far, but yeah, Um yeah, I mean I think it I think it's awesome though that, that kid's going out there and showing Hill it doesn't matter if he's going up against him. He's made more wins than like Hill. any other rookie in the preseason. Like yeah, he's got the name. Exactly there. right. Like it's kind of the biggest thing to come out of of a guy, you know, trying to make his mark since uh, last week when Logan Cooley put up that highlight reel goal. Oh, that's true. That was a nice goal. It was a fucking very nice
0: goal. <laughs> They're, all wow. their goals were nice, dude. I was watching that game, they or at least uh, a bunch of the highlights from it, and like they looked freaking good. Like they do, yeah. Their their one goal was on the power play, and I think it went through the hands of every every guy on their on their power play unit, and it was like all yeah. of them made pinpoint passes. It was a nice finish. Like that yeah. that does not look like anything I've ever seen from a Arizona uniform. I'll say that. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so, is all we all we have left is the NHL ratings? Do we want to? How? What okay. time are we at? Do we want to do that now, or do we want to kind of uh, maybe cut these up into two separate episodes? Um,
1: I don't think it's a big enough thing that we can do that one on its own. Okay. I was wondering how much of a
0: deep dive do you want to do? Because we can do this, like, surface level, or, like, I mean, we could talk about anything hockey all day. So we
1: could deep dive it, or we can just
0: run over it
1: surface level. level, Unless something's, like, super egregious or something.
0: Because I
1: I don't know any of these, really. Like, I know know a couple, but I don't really know too much about them. So if anything's egregious, we can dive into it.
0: Yeah. And we could just talk about it briefly. We don't have to we don't have to get into a whole thing of this guy compared to this guy. Like mm-hmm. it's uh,
2: we know what's up. Yeah. Um
0: yeah, you, so, you got the list here, so you can you can take her away. Yeah. So they've got one, two, three, four, five, six. So I guess we'll just go over they've got the uh on the EA sports for NHL twenty four. On their website, they've got uh, every category, you know, left-wing, right-wing, left-defense, right-defense, center, and goalie, all broken up. And they've got the top 20 guys from each, from each position put on here, uh, based on their overall. And we're just going to go over the top 10 for each position. Uh, we don't have to go to the top 20. But uh, let's, uh, I guess let's start at the obvious one. Let's go center. So number one, obviously, Connor McDavid at a cool 97.
1: He should just—they should just make him a 99. Like you see, it's such a I cool see, thing that Sal does. With but actually no, never mind. I'm I not see die in that that's different.
0: I see two massive things that people talk about with these ratings, but they both contradict each other. One thing is everyone says McDavid is so sick he should be 99, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But then yeah. everyone also says they don't properly rate defense in these games. And I'm thinking, okay, so Connor McDavid is obviously insane, but uh, 99, he's not playing Patrice Bergeron-level defense for a forward. Yeah. So uh, both of them are definitely good points, but I feel like he can't have
1: both, you know? Well, and it's also, the other argument people make is, is Madden does the, like the 99 club, where they make a big thing of when a player is is good enough they get not a, like a ninety nine a perfect rating. But the thing is is it's so different in the NFL because you have so many different positions where when you've got guys in that 99 club, it's usually only one player from each position because you can't compare, yeah. you know, quarterbacks to to wide receivers or defensive linemen. Or a but safety. If you've got yeah. Each it's not gonna work in like their own category that's the best of the best that they get. I think that's awesome. The NHL you can't really do that because it makes no sense in any way to be like, you know, so what, do you do like a, a nine, like you can't do a 99 for each you position because David yeah, has to give, clearly be the best player in the game. Yeah, you can't give, uh, you know, two guys
0: who in my mind are pretty close in skill in uh, Kucherov and, and uh, Pasternak, you can't have one of them be a 99 and then the other are like, like a 93. Like that would yeah exactly that, that would feel disingenuous to have them be that different
1: yeah it it just it like I get the argument like, but yeah I don't I don't know right. if they do one day I think that's awesome, if not, I'm not losing sleep over it, so
0: yeah, yeah, a lot of people take these really seriously, especially yeah. when you can go and like every year when I get the game, first thing I do, I open it up and I go and I edit a bunch of the overalls like. You, it, you can change them if you want. Like, you don't have to yeah, play exactly, Zables. right? But anyway, uh, number two, uh, we're going through the top 10 centers again. Uh, this is Dry 95, two overalls lower. Okay, that's, that's fair. I got no complaints with that. Uh, tied with him, so call it two and a half. Nathan McKinnon, also a 95. Okay. Uh, number four, Sidney Crosby.
3: Yeah,
1: there it is. I'm, I'm, I love that.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad they still recognize how good Crosby is because he really
1: is still that tier that's like higher than elite. Yeah, because like he doesn't get those like you know flashy goals really like McDavid, uh, Matthews, McKinnon gets, but you know exactly what you're gonna get from him all the time, and you're you're getting consistency throughout the entire season. Like it's, it's never you can ever really be like Crosby had a bad game tonight. Like yeah. if he was better, we would have won. Like you don't ever really have that conversation with Crosby. I don't
0: remember who said it, but I heard it a couple years ago, and I just I, this quote lives rent-free in my head about Crosby. He is the most elite grinder that has ever played hockey. Like he yeah. he's, he doesn't get those flashy plays near as much because he's not killing it up on the rush every game he goes into the corner he wins the puck battles almost every time and then he comes out with it and makes the play in the zone yeah exactly so. yeah but, he is uh, the
1: flashiest grinder
0: uh, anyway uh, Crosby at 4 uh, again tied with him at 93 overall uh, in 5th Austin Matthews cheeks cheeks. and we got 3 people at tied at 92 uh, Elias Pettersson Alexander Barkov and Braden Point.
1: That's a good group to have together; those three. Yeah, I I don't see I have an issue with that. I would personally have Barkov
0: maybe down at a ninety-one. I know that's not a popular opinion because uh, people love he's calling him the most underrated player, which I heavily disagree <clears> with. <throat> I
1: almost think he's overrated at this point, just because he had I that tag say. for so long. I don't say, how can he be the most underrated player in the league for like five years in a row? Like if everybody's saying he's underrated, I don't think he's underrated anymore.
0: Yeah. Huberto was more underrated when he was still on the Panthers for a while yeah. there. Yeah, because everybody but, would uh, just want to talk cough. Yeah, obviously still an incredibly elite player. Like ninety,
1: me putting him at a 91 is nothing to sneeze at. I think you can just make the argument he should be a 91 based on the playoffs last year. Yeah. Like he was fucking Um, bad. By his standards. And and, uh, I'll
0: cheat a little bit, and I'll go to the top eleven just because there's uh, three players uh, going all the way to point eleven that are tied at ninety-one. That being Jack Hughes, Tage Thompson, and Jack Eichel.
1: Wow, yeah, good for Tage Thompson, man. Fuck, well, well deserved.
0: I definitely get people saying that, like, they don't know if he should be that high after only two years of really elite production. But, like, not only was it really good production, but when you watch him on the ice, you can see it. Like, these are not yeah. accidental numbers. He, the, he, he plays, like, a 91 like He overall. carries that
1: Buffalo team, yeah. Like he, yeah. He's he more scary than... scary whenever he eye. steps on the ice. He could very well be up in that 93 by the end of the season, like... Yeah, He's still continuing to just get better, which is crazy considering what we're already getting from him.
0: Alright, so we did in the centers. What do we want to go next? Want to go wingers? Yeah, let's go, let's go wingers. Alright, so for left wingers uh, number one, the only one in a 94, Matthew Kachuk. Okay. Eh, I don't got anything against that. Well, uh, save uh Save uh, that for a second, because at number two, with the only one at 93, Artemi Panarin. That's too high. That's way too high. Yeah, I'd, I'd have him... He produces points really well. I might still have him at a 92. Definitely a 91 or a 92. I think I, 93 I is a bit like,
1: much. I, I guess it depends on who's coming up next, but I would not yeah. have him that high up, based yeah. on...
0: Yeah. Based on I the guys I'm looking look at high. just after him, it's, uh, yeah. Both of these guys tied at 92. These are probably the only two guys I would have over Panarin. So, like, at most I'd have Panarin at fourth, maybe fifth. Yeah. Um, but both at 92, yeah, you have like Jason five.
1: Robertson and Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov. See, so I, I would have Kaprizov. I think you, you could have Panarin and Robertson on the same... Well, I, think I think both of I've them
0: being be a 92 no and Kaprizov being a 93 would be better. That's what I would have, yeah. Kaprizov is yeah. just so good. Yeah. Um, at 5th and 6th, at 91, uh, Alexander Ovechkin and Brad Marchand.
2: Okay, yeah. These I... probably I,
1: got a little bit of a bump down just because they're a little bit older, but... I might I,
0: I don't like him, but like I'd probably still have Marchand at a ninety-two. Um,
1: personally, I'd probably move Ovechkin down like one. No, I think I think Ovechkin's fair like that, but I think yeah, I think Marcia and I would bump up one. Yeah,
2: because Ovechkin uh, like
1: he you know he, he's like a good shooter. He's got great senses and whatnot. He's still responsible defensively, and he's like. He's not afraid to mix it up and lay the body-like. That's true. They he's do have the pretty high in all
0: all areas. The the physicality. I wasn't thinking about that because I don't think he's that great defensively. You know, there's there's a couple times where he's really just leaving guys out to dry. But, uh, you know, with the way they weight things, you know, defense and then also the physicality. Like, it's got a couple preview stats here. And he, his strength at, is at a 94. Yeah, like, like, dude, dude, dude's got some power. Nobody, el- nobody else on this list uh, of the top 10 left wingers is even in a 90 other than Matthew Kachuk, who's at a 91. Yeah, like. And Kachuk's um,
1: a, a, a different breed.
0: Yeah. Nobody at 90 for left wingers. We're going down really? to 89 here. Uh, okay. One, two, three, four. Okay, perfect. And the entire rest of the top 10 is all tied. Uh, So all tied at 89 overall, we got Clayton Keller,
1: Brady Kachuk, Johnny Goudreau, and Kyle Connor. Yeah, I've got no issues with that at all. I think those guys are all around in the same area, so I got no complaints there. I think three of them are
0: pretty close. I think Johnny Goudreau could do with a with a 90. Maybe two years ago, I'd give him a 91 or a 92. But I think I think a 90 would be fair right now.
1: And what were all those guys you just listed off? They were all 89. 89. OK, yes, so you know, yeah, I, I, I would be OK with he, Goudreau. Being Goudreau seems better
0: than those three by a bit, but he doesn't seem on the level of anyone above. So that 90 yeah. spot would be kind of a sweet middle. Yeah,
1: and I think you know if he plays a full season with Fantilli and Line, you could see that even bump up. If he starts right. popping off with those two, I could see you, oh uh, yeah them bumping him up a bit. I think uh, I think that top
0: line in Columbus is uh, about to feast a little bit more than people realize. If Fantilli yeah. is uh, is ready to be that guy, playing with uh, Line Houdreau, that could that could be huge. Yeah. Uh, moving on to right-wingers. Uh, honestly, the, this first one is probably the biggest issue I have in the top 10 here. Actually, never mind. There's one really bad one. This is probably... Yeah. I guess I haven't even looked at the other three, but this, this one's the worst so far, I'll say. Okay. Um, so number one, David Pasternak. Uh, what do you think he's at for overall? 93. 95 overall, David Pasternak. Oh. That's yeah, the, same, him the same same uh, as Dry That's the same as Dry and McDavid.
1: And McKinnon. McKinnon. McDavid's. Oh, side McKinnon. Side. Yeah, McKinnon. Sorry. Honestly, I will say that McDavid fucking loves cities 97 because that's his number.
0: I, I don't um, doubt that he pays him fucking $9,700 to <laughs> have him be that overall. Hockey guys yeah, love their so specific not numbers. Be.
1: And I get the argument, He, yeah, Pasternak just put up, you know, 60, 61 but... goals. Like... I wouldn't put him near on the same caliber as a McKinnon or Dreisaitl. Yeah, yeah that's, that, one, that one's too high. That's a bit much. And that, I think, you that's know what, much. I think with with some of the guys Boston lost, I bet you see Pasternak take quite a bit of a hit this year. And if he if he oh, does yeah. the same thing... Then I think he's more than than fair for that rating. But
0: I was gonna say, if he puts up sixty again without Bergeron on his line, like nothing but respect. Yeah, like
1: if he's doing it with fucking Charlie Coyle as a center, then yeah. then all the power he he deserves yeah. that. But not only was he playing on a very
0: good lo- stacked line, that team was historically yeah. good. I yeah. mean,
1: yeah, right. Like, why is he ninety five? It gets Marchand exhausting
0: saying that. Uh, can we say this guy is this good? Because. His team is good. Like I don't like that argument, but yeah, when when they beat the league record for wins by three in a hundred, what is it like a hundred and thirty year old league? Like that's ludicrous. Yeah. Um. So anyway, Pasternak first at ninety five, second the only guy at ninety four, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I I would definitely have both of them at a ninety four. Yeah, I think I think they're a very I think they're really close at this point. Uh, One's more of a playmaker, one's more of a sniper. Uh, You know, it's a
1: one A one B type situation. Yeah, like I I wouldn't put Kucherov up there, um, with like you know Drysile and and whatnot. But I, I in no world would I say Pasternak should be above Kucherov. Yeah,
0: there's there's no way. Um, making it real easy to start off here. Uh, in third, the only guy who's 93, Miko Rantanen.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm I was indifferent on him for the first bit, but I'm I'm really starting to see his his overall just complete game. You know, from mm-hmm. on both ends of the ice, and he does everything. I'm okay with that.
0: I would I would probably move him down one, just because 93. He's on par with Crosby, Matthews, like. I feel like he could go yeah. down one and be more, more closer to a, a Braden point. But I mean, one overall of difference. Yeah. Uh, number four, the only guy at ninety-two, Mitch Marner.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. That's fair. Yeah,
0: I think that's I think thing. that's a perfect rating for him. Uh, number five, the only guy who's ninety, skipping over ninety-one, Mark Stone.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's,
1: he's probably got a durability rating of zero, so it's like, meh. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like that's got to take a bit, of a, a bit of a hit to his rating.
0: I can't imagine durability counts into it too much. I know a lot of people yeah, say that uh, defensive stats don't, and you know what? I don't think the shot blocking or the stick checking do,
1: really. But I think defensive awareness counts, like, quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, that and offense awareness are kind of the two biggest ones that, that control an overall rating. Yeah, which I will say, like he's probably got good defense awareness, but no durability. He's made of glass. So, um, and then down at eighty
0: nine, we have one, two, three guys. Uh, we got Andrei Svechnikov, William Nylander, and can you guess the other guy who's an eighty nine right winger? I, I'll give you a hint. No. I'll give you a hint. You can't guess the team he's on
1: because he doesn't have one. Oh, oh, so Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. Yeah, he 89? should be a little bit higher. Honestly, I think he's the perfect guy to have in there
0: at 91. Oh, you're, you must be goofing on me. Dude, I'd put him at like an 87 at this point. No. He is not that elite player anymore.
1: I mean, he's still a free agent. Like, But that's because he had surgery and whatnot like he's just getting back on the ice now yeah
0: but you could still sign with a team
2: but
1: uh,
0: he wasn't even leading he wasn't even like to have him up at a 90 like he wasn't even leading the Chicago Blackhawks before he got traded
2: he wasn't points per game though
0: I don't know how much time time he he was, so that's fair I know it was. Was it Max yeah,
1: Domi? I would stop him up there because, yeah, because like I like I think if King goes to even a decent team, I still see him being at least a point per game player. I think I think he's going to be closer around seventy. I think he's
0: he's starting to age out. He's still he's still good, and he should definitely be in the top twenty. I think
1: yeah, he, but, cause he, uh, he's one of those guys like a like a Joe Thornton when he was I think like thirty seven or something. He's still a point per game because. His hockey IQ is just so good. Mm-hmm. And that goes such a long way when you, you know, you get a little bit older and you're, you're not as fast and maybe your shot's not as hard as it used to be or something, but that hockey IQ can just make all the difference for those, yeah. those aging players.
0: I'm just, I'm looking at some of these names and I would, in the current day, in their current form, I would take all these guys over them. Like uh, how many they got uh, tied next? We're going, we're going to 11 again because there's three guys. Uh, at Tied at 88, we got Jordan Kairu, Pavel Buchnevich and I
1: would take Joe pain. Pavelski. Okay, Pavel- see, so I think Pavelski should actually be a bit higher. And again, that's just because like, like he's, he's 39 and he's still a point-per-game guy. I mean, what he, he just came back in the playoffs after an injury and dropped, what was it, four goals? I think it was four goals in a game. Like, uh, I, I think Pavelski should. I would even bump him up. I'd put him uh, at least in an
0: 89. I think yeah. he's really good in at 89 with lows. the right beside William Nylander. I think that's a decent comparable. That's, yeah,
1: yeah. But overall, that that's not a terrible ranking for him. I do think Pasternak shouldn't be a. Not only should he not be the sole number one guy, but he shouldn't be on the same level as yeah, dry silent. I was gonna say I like. If you
0: want to say that Pasternak's better than Kucherov, I'm not going to argue till I'm blue in the face about it. But to put him on the same level as Dreisaitl and McKinnon is kind of crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, moving yeah. to defense. We got left defenseman. Huh. Uh,
0: Number one, the only guy with a 94 overall. Roman Yosi,
1: Really? Yossi over yep. Fox? I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not against that. Uh, this, is, this is for left defense. Oh, Adam Fox is righty, isn't he? Yeah. At least I assume so.
0: I don't see him here in the top eight. Yeah, so yeah, he'd be right <laughs> So I'm, I'm assuming. Right. Um, down, the only guy in second place, the only guy with a 93, Victor Hedman. Okay. Uh, he definitely. I think it was a. I think it was a ninety-four last year, so his overall did take a hit. Uh, yeah, if you asked me last year, I'd probably have them tied together at at the top. Yeah. but I'd have them both at a ninety-four. I definitely get moving them down uh, because of last year. Um, yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it for a a bounce back this year for him. But given but last, last year, only to be knocked
1: down one is isn't too bad actually. Yeah, like um, we've seen that the players before and they bump them down like four or five so
0: yeah yeah they they really some players
1: they get the benefit of the doubt and some of them free fall after one bad year we 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 saw in the span of like a year and a half eric carlson went from the number one defenseman in the game at a like a 93 all the way down to an 86 so yeah like we've seen guys really just take the brunt of it I'm just uh,
0: flipping back over for a sec to find him. So to talk about him, Jonathan Huberdo is an 88 14th. Yeah. For left wingers. Like after the one year, like he was, uh, he was a 93
1: the year before, I think I watched him in preseason the other night at the flames game. And he looked good. I I think you, he could very well see it, him jump up this year.
0: Yeah. I got to, uh, I, it's actually one of those, I was there moments. I got to see him in his very first game with the flames I I saw him at his very first preseason game uh, last year and I remember there was one goal where he came in on the side and then he just like stopped on a dime and 360 passed it across and this guy, whoever was coming in with him, just absolute empty net, could not miss it and I was like, holy crap this guy is going to light it up with the flames I don't, he came in so ready, I don't know what happened it must have been the Coaching Sutter. to me, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see under a new coach. But anyway, uh, Hedman was at 93 in second, nobody at 92, bit of a gap. Then the only I guy at 91, be at 92. this better be him. Uh, the only I have a feeling I know who you're gonna say, but I don't think it is at 91 in third, Rasmus Dalin. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Okay, tell me he's in fourth, then. I imagine the guy you're talking about is in fifth, but we'll see. Uh, oh, no. But that being said, four and five are tied. Okay. Uh, both at a 90, we have Quinn Hughes and Miro Heiskanen. Yeah, Heiskanen should be higher. Yeah. Was that, was that the guy you were talking? Yeah, Heiskanen should be that yeah, guy
1: figured. in the 92.
0: I I think him and Daleen should be tied. I'd honestly say they should both be tied at 92. I think Darlene
1: could go up one as well. I, I give Heiskanen the edge because I think, even more than Kale McCarran. I think in terms of pure skating, there is no better skating defenseman in the league than Heiskanen. Hmm. Like, his skating is just... It's so next level. And the, and like the fact he just dropped 70-plus points, he's so good in his own end. Like, man, he's... I wouldn't be shocked if we're talking in 3 years and he's number 1. Like he's that guy solely and in, He in the looks 94. to be really good. But yeah, I do expect he, he'll probably. Honestly, I'd probably see him Quinn Hughes and Dolly and all all getting increases throughout the year so. Yeah. I would say honestly, I would increase all three of those
0: guys. I'd have Dolly in at a 92, Hiskein in at a 92, and I'd move Quinn Hughes up to a 91. I think. Yeah. I think they could all be a bit better. Wouldn't be terrible. Um, who's, down uh, at who's in it since? At 6, 7, and 8, all at an 89, we have Shea Theodore, Josh Morrissey, and Devon Taves. Damn, good for Josh Morrissey, man. Yeah, well-deserved, too. Very well-deserved.
1: Yeah, I got no issues with those three guys there, though. I think that's fair. And I think if uh, Josh Morrissey does, again, this year, what he did last year... You can make the argument for him being in that 90, 90 club. Yeah. Um, for this one, we're going all the way to
0: 13. There's five guys tied at 88. A bit of a log jam. And uh, I've got a little uh, bonus thing to say on this one as well. Um, so the guys all tied at 88 are Jacob Slavin, Thomas Shabbat,
1: next page, Mikhail Sergachev. Adam Pellick, and Hampus Lindholm. See, uh, so the one, I would not have Shabbat in there with those four. I think, I think he's a little... I bit, think that's fair. I think he should be one below them. I think those other three guys, like, I mean, Slavin and Pellick are, are probably the, the two best just defensive defensemen. Um, Shut down defensemen. In, in, in the game. And I don't think, you know, that Shabbat's on the level with them. Um, what was the other two? Theodore and-, and Lindholm. Oh yeah, yeah. Theodore so like, was up at eighty nine. Yeah, so I think all four of those guys minus Shabbat should be on the like on the same level as as Shea, Theodore. But I, I, I mean I can see with like a Slavin and Pellick like their their offensive games aren't aren't as high as some, so that does take a hit. But I think what they do defensively balances should balance that out, right? And uh, one thing I wanted to get into
0: a little bit quickly here is um, uh, earlier today I was watching a video where on Bar Down they went over some of these ratings. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Bar Down is just a group of guys for, that work for a TSN, they, and they post on the TSN YouTube channel, and they do all kinds of content, quizzes, stuff, whatnot. They're generally pretty good, but uh, I did not enjoy this take because they said Mikhail Sergachev seems like an outlier the same way you're saying Shabbat does in this group.
1: I can can see the argument, but I think given the the upside that we know that there isn't Sergachev, I think he's fair to be in there.
0: Yeah, because I went out and did my homework before the podcast because I didn't want to come in here with an empty gun. And I put them all in on StatHead and got all of their last year result uh, stats right here. And so uh, they got Sergachev had 64 points last year. Shabbat had 41, Pelik had 21, Lindholm had 53, and Slavin had 27. So Sergachev had 11 more points than Lindholm, and then... The guy who's third on the list, he had
1: 23 he more points total, than him. I'm pretty sure also led the league in plus minus. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, he, his defense was I mean, actually really good last year. On that uh, Boston team, who wouldn't, you can, right? You can, you can also make the argument for Sergeyev. is he played on that top Tampa power play unit as well. Yeah. A lot Whereas of these I'm guys even, are, you know, we're sure still talking about
0: 88 overalls. So a lot of these guys are the top yeah. defensemen on their team. Um, yeah. But like if if you want to say that you these guys are you think they're better than him defensively, I'm certainly not gonna argue that on Pelik or Slavin. Um but I don't think Sergachev's bad enough defensively, considering his offensive numbers are so much better, that he should at least be any
1: lower than these guys. I'm not I mean, arguing he should, for the he move should up, I think lower. 88's a good spot. He shouldn't be lower. I, I think Shabbat's the one that um yeah. is, is really just because his defensive numbers don't wow me like his best offenses was 55 points. And that was also like four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I, given the situation he's in with Ottawa, I could definitely see him having a really good year and being more than deserving of that. But I think as of right now, I think it's just, but I, I don't mean, know I, if I that really like even happen now, now that like, they have Jake
0: Sanderson, uh, I think he's uh,
1: yeah. going to start losing and, a bit of ice time. And Jacob Chikrin's fully healthy now. So it's like, yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, I think Shabot could have been moved down. Overall. Personally, I'd replace him with uh, Zach Wierenski, but Wierenski only played Wierenski's, like eight. Yeah, he only played like eight games last year, so it's hard to say, right? You can't. Yeah, that one. It's so hard to improve tough. a guy's overall when he didn't play. Yeah, exactly right. Um, now moving on to the the bit more sexy l- uh, list to look at for defensemen, the right defensemen. They yeah. typically just I don't know. They just seem to score more often more more rare defenseman as well definitely more left-handed defenseman um so number one uh kale McCar, 95.
1: yeah that's yeah i got no issues with that that's fair yeah
0: i was gonna say at at the like i kind of want to argue a little bit he should be below mckinnon dry saddle but at the the absolute lowest, you'd have him at a ninety-four, right? The, the, so. the
1: thing is, though, is right. It's it's so tough to compare defensemen to, to it, forwards. It, it really is. So, so I'm I'm fine like with the ninety-five. Like one defenseman, kind of like McDavid, McCars like in his own. Much like I'm assuming Vasilevsky is probably okay. the only goalie, um, in his rating at the highest. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, well, hold your horses there. We'll get to the goalies in a minute. But uh, from ninety-five. Dropping down to a 92. There's no 94 or 93 right-handed defenseman. Wow. Uh, At number two, we got Charlie McAvoy. And then at three, we got Adam Fox. Which are
1: both 92. Yeah. Damn, honestly, I didn't think Fox... I thought they were going to have him at 94. I'm shocked they have him. I'm surprised he's not at at least a 93. Yeah, 93 at the bare minimum. Yeah. I mean, I I I've made it very clear. I don't like Adam Fox. I think just yeah. his way of, you know, turning down everything and forcing his way to the Rangers. I think is is a little scummy and uh, whatnot. Especially but like, can't the worst just, part you know, is that it
0: worked yeah. because it's a dangerous it's a dangerous box to open if you allow players to just be like, I'm only playing here. Yeah, similar to the situ- the thing we talked about earlier with the salary cap. Like then you just end up, you know, everyone's going to. Uh, florida and everyone's going to california because it's just nice to be in those places yeah exactly right but uh in fourth the only guy at 91 pittsburgh penguins legend
1: eric carlson see so i bet if he was on san jose he would at max be like 88 i bet yeah i think yeah uh, i wonder only the season he had but now he's on pittsburgh i think they're fine spiking him way up to that. But good for him, though. Like, that's that's huge to have. Like, yeah, a, absolutely. I mean, he definitely deserves at least a 90 year. after yeah. the year he had. Um, no, like, fuck, if he puts up, you know... I mean, if, if it does happen on the Penguins and he drops 100 points again... 94 minimum. You, Two years oh, yeah, in a row, 94 be like, like, minimum. Well, and then do you be like, fuck, he should be he should be that guy in the 95 or he should be right up there with, you know, McCarr yeah. type of thing. Yeah. He I should be if... a,
0: either a 95 or a 96, because if he did it again, that'd be two Norrises in a row. That's solidified. If you win two Norris in a row, you're solidified as the best defenseman in the league. Like, yeah, uh, exactly, how, right. What, what way around it is there? You, like, if you're the best two years in a row. Exactly. Exactly. And like, honestly, you'd probably be in heart consideration. I mean, Honestly, should have been a bit last year, at least. But I hate the argument that you can't win a heart on a non-playoff team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tie, uh, five and six, both tied at 90. Dougie Hamilton and John Carlson. Okay, yeah, that's that's fair. I think I think John Carlson's a bit high at this point. I think uh, his scoring has dropped off only a little bit, but... He's pretty bad defensively. He was never good at it, and he's only gotten worse with age. Yeah,
1: you, you, you can make that argument. I'm okay with him
0: being on this, that same page as but, Dougie
1: Hamilton. Though, I was but... going to say,
0: a 90 is not that high, so I don't hate the rating. I'd have him yeah. at maybe an 89. Um, if for nothing else, I think he just fits in with this next group of two guys really well. At 7 and 8, both an 89, Alex Petrangelo and Drew Doughty.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that, that, that's more fair.
0: And then, how many people we got at 88? We got four at 88, and one of them doesn't have a picture. That's that's tough soak for him. At uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, we got Moe Cider, Chris Letang, uh-huh. Brandon Montour, and Aaron
1: Eckblad. So yes, I think Cider's a bit too high. Because he was yeah, pre he struggled last year. But I get it. Like he's a they won they want to have those young defensemen kind of high up in there as some yeah. of the best in the game, but I think he's an he's just not on a level that an 88 is a crazy no, but it's, it's just when crazy level. When you I would have personally have Ekblad higher. Others.
0: He's had injury issues, but I think Ekblad could be a ninety. Yeah. Well, the last time we saw him healthy, like when he is playing, he is he is on. Yeah. Overall, that's not a terrible list, so I th- I think they got most of
2: those right. Yeah.
1: And last okay. but not least. We are good, the goalies. I mean, I know what the top three should be. I don't know if they're
2: gonna be that way, but it's uh
0: it's wild. It's funny because, you know, we did our we did our uh Lists uh, we went through earlier in the off season for what people ranked, and I'm seeing a very similar thing to what we said before of uh, around seven, eight, nine. There's an obvious fall off in skill, and you can see yeah. that in this list as well. Okay. Um, number one, the only guy at 93, just like you said, Andre Vasilevsky.
1: Okay. Yeah, as it
0: should be. And then. Two guys tied at 92 apiece, two and three. The other
1: other two Russians.
0: Il- Ilya Sorokin and Igor Shosturkin. Yeah,
1: that top that three being
0: be. uh, all Russian flags is, uh, damn, they putting something yeah. in the water there.
1: Yeah, but th- those uh, three should be the, the top three, so. I think that's, yeah, that's, I don't think you're going to find many people that disagree with that. Yeah, and anyone who does, like, there's... They don't have a leg to
0: stand on. They're that probably argument. just like a Homer and a Jets fan or something. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, only guy at 91 and fourth, Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, as he should be. Uh, two guys, five and six, tied at 90. Uh, Linus Allmark and Jake Ottinger.
1: I mean, I guess I get the recency bias for, for Allmark. So, I mean, that it's, it's just won the Vesna as well. So good for Ottinger, though. Yeah, that's that's I, huge. Think, I think they could both be down at
0: an 89, but
1: so fine I for s- them. So, I'm assuming they have Saros then in at 89.
0: The only guy at 89, UC Saros, I okay, think he could yeah. be. Ti- I think he should be tied with Hellebuck at 91. I think yeah, you could make he, that argument. He stole a lot of games for a not very good Nashville team. Yeah.
2: Um, The only guy at an 88, Freddie Anderson.
1: Okay. Good veteran. Never never a a top elite goalie in the league, but he's never been anything less than than a very serviceable starter, so that's fair. Yeah. And then we got
0: three guys tied for 9, 10, 11. Uh, At 87, we got Tristan Jari, Thatcher Demko, and Carter Hart.
1: Uh, so, see with what Carter Hart's done, how can you have him that high? Like,
0: yeah, like I think, I think he's a good, lot of people are but... really excited for him to be the face of Canadian goaltending, and it just hasn't worked out. He's the yeah, only guy with a it. Canadian
1: flag beside him in this top ten. Yeah, like goaltending in Canada's really taken a hit lately. That's that's not and... a terrible list, though. It's surprising there's not like, no. you know the Bobrovsky in there anymore, the Jacob Markstrom, the the Marc-Andre Fleury, like it's... I it's these don't young see, f- now I don't see Flurry, in.
0: but both of those other... Markstrom and Bobrovsky are both 86. Uh, okay. Which the guys we were just talking about were 87. The rest of the list up to the 20th spot are 86. Um, okay. Who was the other one you said? Do you say John Gibson? No. No. For some reason, I thought you said uh, John I'm Gibson. Flurry. He's an 86. Right, there's uh, Philip Gustafson, eighty-six, Samsonov, okay. Kemper, Swayman. There's a uh, a lot of guys that kind of make sense. Some of them are like, you know, but Bobrovsky and Markstrom are both like they were really good and then they fell off and they're just kind of at this weird eighty-six. Yeah. Same with Gibson, really.
1: Yeah. Overall, that's that's not a terrible list.
0: No, I yeah, think, I think all those are are valid. Yeah, I think that might might even be the most solid list. Honestly, like yeah, make a small small few adjustments, but um, yeah, that's that's uh, all of all of the top tens. Overall, I um, I would say they, they did pretty well on that. I think it's got to be the best job that they've done uh, that I've ever bet as far as I can remember them doing these. Like top top ratings lists that they do to hype up the game coming out each year. I think this is really the best that they've ever done. I feel like yeah, I feel like the before they'd lines. be like you know they always have some really weird ones like Drew Dowdy like last year was like a ninety four or something like that. They they'd always have these weird outliers that were really high. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're they're definitely doing less of the of the keeping people at high overalls. I kind of thought they were doing that with uh, Kane. I thought that seemed pretty uh, pretty clear, but, uh, I mean, you watch just as much, if not more, hockey than me, and uh, you think he should yeah. be higher. So clearly it's not as crazy as I thought.
1: Yeah, for sure, right?
0: Um, um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got, unless you got
1: anything uh, small you want to throw in. Before we wrap up. Just actually give me give me one quick second here. Sure thing. Sure
0: thing. I'll uh, take a look here. See if there's any anything else goofy on here. Point out. Yeah. Who do we got next Um, on the right wing thing? Alex Tuck at 87. What a lad. Timo Meyer also an 87. Timo could have been a bit higher on that right wing list. He yeah, he seems can, out of he be a little bit higher. Timo seems out of place next to all these guys at an 87. Like these are all good players, but 88, 89 for Timo, I think.
1: Yeah, you can I can you can make that argument for sure. And I'm 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 assuming he'll probably go up as the season goes on with yeah.
0: well especially uh, with the, New Jersey on the on the Devils, you know, they're getting they have so many eyes on them now. Yeah, exactly, right? Tyler Toffoli, his uh, new teammate, also an eighty-seven, right here. Okay, which I mean, led uh, led Calgary in points, right? I think he led him in goals and points. I think so. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I think that I don't. Do you have anything else you want to cover? Is that kind of us wrapping this up? We've been going for. A little over two hours now here.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm good if you don't have anything else to add.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't really got anything. It's just waiting for a regular season to start. Uh, maybe some more crazy stuff flapping in the preseason, who knows?
0: Yeah. Were you uh were you searching up to see if any breaking news happened while we were doing this?
1: Yeah, there's there's really not nothing happening right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure
0: by next week we'll have a whole
1: bunch of new stuff to talk about. Yeah, I f- yeah, I feel like come next week there's going to be going to be quite a lot to cover, so Um, yeah, any any last last words to throw in here before we get out of here? Uh, get well soon, Vassie. We we fucking need you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly. Um, awesome. Well, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh check out any of the other episodes if you haven't yet there's there's we've we've been putting out a lot of good hockey content lately and we will continue to do so again thanks for listening and we will catch you in the next one